Welcome to Witherslack Group's podcast. This week we're in Manchester at our regional special educational needs conference supporting leaders in education, joined by one of our speakers, Jeremy Bird, Director of HGA Learning. Thank you for joining us today, Jeremy. Um, so to start, tell us about your professional background. Um, good morning. Um, my previous background was in headship and that was in mainstream primary schools, two different primary schools. And then five years ago, I began um, HGA Learning. So this was a company to support schools in their ongoing improvement. Um, currently, um, I support schools you know, in a wide range of, of ways. And this includes an ever-increasing focus on pupils with special educational needs and or disabilities. So this is both in mainstream settings or in special schools. So I think really it's only in the last five years that I've you know, had more of a focus in terms of special educational needs. Brilliant. So um, what's your current role at HGA? So I'm one of the directors of the company. Um, and primarily our work is about working with school leaders and governors. So I suppose two key words come to mind. Uh, one is about coaching yeah. and one is about being challenging. So um, in reference to self-evaluation, really it's about encouraging leaders to think about their own setting and how they can improve both provision and sustain this. But essentially it's about the leaders themselves making those decisions rather than external people, you know, sort of driving that. Right, okay. So um, from September 2019, a new Ofsted framework was introduced which... Um, inspectors have started to use to inspect early year settings, schools, further education settings and school providers as well as independent schools. Tell us why this change has occurred and occurred and the benefits to pupils and staff. Okay, so my understanding is is that that I've said have put an awful lot of time and research into this new education uh, framework, the EIF. I think what they've done is they've realigned their focus on the things that matter most. And, and to that end, what I'm talking about really is the curriculum. So it's about, I think when you're looking at the framework, it, it's, in a way it's helping to empower leaders to reflect on their own context in order to design and implement a curriculum that's effective for them, again, in their own context. And, and fundamentally, I think it's about benefiting pupils by helping them to remember more and being able to do more. Okay, so um, why is the curriculum important for pupils with special educational needs? So I think with, when you're looking at SEND settings, yeah. I think schools have always sort of had that empowerment in a way to really think carefully about what they're doing for themselves because they have had less support in a way compared to their mainstream settings yeah you know mainstream colleagues so that there's a lot of materials that you can you can pull and use you know from a mainstream perspective so so just reflecting on that I, I think it's important for schools in whatever their setting but given the more specific nature of SEND, is to think carefully about what their curriculum offer entails. 
So if you're catering for pupils with special educational needs and or disabilities, what is the nature of the special educational need? And then what do, le do leaders want endpoints to look like? So as they're developing their curriculum, what is it? So, And it might be more around life skills. It might be a more holistic view yeah. um, of education, or it might be um, academic, or it you know, may well be a combination of the two. So then to that end, I think it's really thinking critically about what will effective progress look like? How will they sort of, you know, define ambition, you know, in, in that sense? In respect of context, there's an awful lot of things to, to reflect on. So the most obvious one, I guess, really is the, is the pupils themselves. Um, and then thinking about the families and their yeah. engagement with the setting. What about staffing and leadership structures? What about mobility? both from a pupil perspective and possibly you know, from a staffing perspective, family liaison work, engagement with external agencies, and the list goes, goes on and on yeah. really. But the, so there's a lot to reflect on and consider in terms of the context. Okay, so how will um, the change um, impact on behaviour and attitudes to learning? Okay, so this is one of the judgment areas if it was, you know, a Section 5 yeah. um, inspection. So, again, I think it comes back to considering the nature of needs. So there's some key questions here, I think, you know, to reflect on. Uh, one is the degree to which your curriculum supports pupils in their development, you know, for positive attitudes to learning. How does the curriculum support this, um, you know, and does it do it effectively? And then secondly, how effective are your strategies in supporting pupils with particular behavioural needs? Because in your setting this could be a, you know, a very pertinent focus. So it's not about all children behaving perfectly, etc. because we know young people, as, as they learn and grow, there will be all sorts of different issues, you yeah. know, uh, uh, facing us. But it's what are the strategies that are employed, and again, how effective are these? Okay, so um, how will the wider development of pupils be acknowledged through this new framework? So th there's an, a, an, a recognition here, I think, that, that wider development is is of, of, of critical importance. That's not to undermine, of course, the academic um, you know, focus. Yeah. So again, questions to raise here, I think, are around the extent to which your curriculum enables pupils to develop a wide range of skills and knowledge. So that will incorporate the academic, but it will also maybe you know, around vocational you know, and other uh, possibly you know, life skills. And then how do you therefore, when, when you've reflected on that, how do you construct a curriculum to enable pupils to progress well in the important aspects that you've identified, you know, given the context of your school? Okay, so um, how might the inspection methodology benefit leaders in their settings? So, but possibly a way into answering that is is to reflect on the actual inspection handbooks. Yeah. And they can be looked at as tools for improvement. Of course, they're going to be used for an inspection um, you know, process. But in terms of how might you use these handbooks to help you reflect on your own provision? So it might prompt leaders to think about how, how they currently monitor and evaluate their provision. Yeah. 
and then thinking about um, the work that they do in terms of monitoring evaluation how effective is it in terms of connecting the evidence that you glean from, from, from looking at your provision? So is it robust and is it valid in terms of the intelligence that you want to glean from the work? Okay, so um, how effective um, is the leaders monitoring and evaluation in the setting? Yeah, so again, I think... Reading the handbooks, yeah. leaders might get some helpful um, guidance in terms of how they might refine their work. So what I'm thinking about here is the inspection methodology. Yeah. So by looking at how inspectors gather evidence, leaders might look at that and think, actually, that could be useful for us in, in looking at different aspects of their provision. It might be in terms of the subject. It might be in terms of groups of, of pupils you know, with different special education needs and or disabilities. And as they're conducting that work, being critical in terms of its efficiency and its effectiveness um, you know, moving forward. Okay, so how will leaders know if pupils' progress is sufficient? Right, so that's a good question. Okay. So I, I think this goes back to the earlier question about what is important. So are you measuring the right things? So if you know what it is that you want to look at to, to, to help you evaluate your provision, a key question is how will you know if you are happy with the progress that each pupil is making? So there's a direct link here in terms of ambition. Yeah. So how... how so the word sufficient, I think, is a, although it's not a very sort of exciting word, it will depend on the context you know, that, that you serve and, and it will reflect on your own ambition as leaders about whether you are happy with you know, the, the degree of progress that's being made. So the focus of the new offset framework has shifted slightly. So therefore, how, um, as a leader in education, would you prepare for an inspection. Okay, so um, I adopt um, a phrase here which is um, never ever prepare for inspection. Okay. But make sure you're well prepared for inspection. Okay. So I would encourage schools not to do anything where they put their money, their interest, their time in terms of inspection, you know, for inspection's sake. Yeah. Having said that, if your self-evaluation and the way that you drive school improvement is effective and efficient, then you will be preparing for inspection. Yeah. Because inspectors will be very keen to understand how leaders are you know, securing and sustaining that improvement. So again, not to prepare for inspection, but being well prepared for inspection Think about your school improvement processes. Think about your self-evaluation work. Yeah. Think about how um, leaders at different, you know, are carrying out different roles and responsibilities. What do they do? How well are they being held to account? And how do they drive improvements you know, according to the, you know, to the different roles, um, you know, that they serve? So again, by by really thinking about good quality school improvement processes and how that is captured so in terms of reporting into governance yeah. you know and sharing that you know those successes and and also where yes but we need to get better about you know x y and z 
that would be very helpful in terms of going into an inspection uh, process. But you're not doing any of that work for inspection. Yeah. But it's helpful for yeah. an inspection. So we've spoken about the benefits to the pupils, benefits to the leaders. What are the benefits of this new framework to staff, to teachers? Okay, I, I think if looking at the handbooks and looking at the detail in the handbooks, obviously a, a significant um, a chunk of that is the quality of education. And in essence, that's looking at uh, the curriculum in terms of its rationale, or if you like, the intent, how that is then put into place, you know, through the implementation, and then reflecting on, it, on its effectiveness, you know, so, so through its impact. So if you're looking at the impact on staff, I would imagine that staff might well embrace that approach because it's, it's empowering, empowering them to think about, so how do I sequence the learning for the pupils that I serve? How, how do I put you know, the, the knowledge, skills, or you know, other aspects of the curriculum together to enable them to, to grow and develop you know, effectively? And a key question that staff might ask, and, and they might sort of debate this in a way in the school, is to actually answer the, the question, what is learning? You know, and what yeah. goes on in terms of brain functioning, in terms of learning. And that they might use that then to go back and reflect on, so why do we put the curriculum together in the way that we do, yeah. given the nature of the children, you know, that we are serving, you know, yeah. and the way that they function. So this um, Ofsted framework, is it um, focusing on the children being happy in their school environment and developing themselves rather as opposed to being focused on results right so I suppose I'd like to that answer answer that question as yes yeah um, in terms of happiness I wonder if you know we might think about that in terms of young people's mental health and well-being yeah which is important isn't absolutely it? so if they if they understand how they are growing and developing through the curriculum I would imagine that would you know, make them feel happy about attending school and as a result yeah. perhaps attendance might go up or yeah. you know, in terms of attitudes to learning. So at, at no point must we think that academic outcomes you know, are not important you know, because of course they very much are in terms of stepping stones, moving on yeah. in terms of next stages in education, career paths, etc. But in terms of that mental health and well-being, um, if we build learning effectively through the curriculum, that's going to enable um, young people to experience the world, to explore different career paths, etc. You know, with more, I don't know, more tools in the toolbox, I suppose, yeah. or more, um, more ways or more flexibility in terms of moving forward. So, so I think the answer to your question is yes. Yeah. Um, it's how schools interpret that in a way. And I, I guess if I was back in headship, I suppose that's what I would think about is in terms of mental health and well-being. Okay, brilliant. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. Um, if you're not already, follow with a Slack group on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to find out the latest news from our schools and children's homes. Also visit our website withaslackgroup.co.uk to explore our library of resources and our upcoming events.